0: Welcome to the Dumb Idea Podcast Show with Mike and Alex. We thank you for joining us as we have a couple of beers and a cigar and talk about what's going on in our lives. Grab an adult beverage and a smoke and settle in with us. Please like, subscribe, and comment on each show so we can hear whether you agree or disagree with our take on things. Listen wherever your favorite podcasts are and at www.dumbideapodcast.com. Somebody's grandma apparently was driving a cargo ship through the Suez Canal, <laughs> and didn't park it right because they basically ended up turning the thing so it blocked the entire canal, and the bottom of
1: it got stuck. Yeah, so it 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 ran aground, and uh, the Suez Canal is one of the the busiest one of the busiest waterways in the world, and um, it for those of you who don't know it. Essentially, uh, was it connect the Mediterranean Sea and the uh, was it the Red Sea or the uh, one of the the? Uh, I need to brush up on my geography here, but oil travels through it. Essentially, it's a connector to get to the Indian Ocean, and the Med connects uh, essentially the West to the East. So ships don't have to travel around uh, Africa. So now this enormous uh, container ship, it's um, owned by Evergreen, and it is stuck across the canal currently and uh the ramifications of this is bigger we you know we like to joke and say hey it's uh it's stuck in you know haha it's it's there but oil can't get through goods can't get through um so it's quite the mess and and it's more than just a a grounding um the ship is kind of wedged in there and
0: you, you can't get anyone by going north or south because of the ship at least if it if it had grounded on the side they could have routed traffic around it but unfortunately i mean this whoever captained this ship pretty much made sure no one's getting an ipad until christmas <laughs> yeah. nobody so, if you if you ordered if you ordered a car and it was going if you're in europe and you ordered something if you ordered a ford escape you're not
1: getting it yeah, it's it's stuck there and this uh this ship is um it is it's absolutely enormous i think it's uh
0: they said they said lengthwise it's as long as the empire state building is
1: high yeah so it's it's 400 meters high and uh, it's completely loaded so what they do with these container ships is they put um they just stack the containers on top of the ship. So it'll have a big superstructure that when it's not loaded, you can see. And it looks like a a ship with a tower on it. And then when it's loaded up full of containers, you can no longer see that tower. It's just the bridge that kind of looks out over the top of these Connex trailers.
0: I, I saw the picture from the back end of this thing. And even from a distance, this thing looks massive. Just containers stacked on top of containers stacked on top of containers. It's unbelievable, yeah. and apparently they said it was coming from China and going to Europe. Yeah. So nobody in Europe is going to get any of that stuff.
1: Yep. And, and
0: and they're going to I guess they're going to claim a huge insurance claim on that on that boat. But I, I, I guess the point is I mean it, they say twelve percent of all the world's traffic goes through the Suez Canal. Yeah. And they're now saying it could be what two weeks Mm -hmm. before they can clear this thing yeah yeah it's unbelievable that they're gonna this one thing i'm surprised they haven't tied it to some extremist
1: idea yeah yeah
0: Yeah. i'm sure like so this isn't a terrorist attack like you know you're not the captain anymore of this ship. Like someone went in, just they
1: turned the wheel and said, "We're going to shut this down." Yeah, I I am the captain now. So, so what? But what happens with these ships is when they enter the Suez Canal, whether they're coming in uh, through the north or south, a, a pilot actually boards the vessel and is in command of the vessel. What? And anyone who's ever been on a cruise. Um, I'm kind of a nerd and I'm into this stuff. So I, I watch and you'll see the pilot boat come up and a dude jumps off uh, and then gets onto the boat and or onto the ship and is then in command while it's in these waters. They're experts at these, in these areas. So like all the major ports have them, canals, Suez Canal, Panama Canal, um, St. Lawrence Seaway up, up in, uh, you know, uh, between U.S. and Canada, they all have these, these people that guide these ships well this pilot you know um it's easy to blame him because he was in charge of it but uh there are some other factors that come into play they're saying that there was there was a rumor of a mechanical electrical issue and then there was also a rumor or uh, that it was very windy that day a sandstorm so sandstorm, it got, it yeah. a lot of
0: sand got in the canal yeah that, that led to the build-up and they're, they're hoping that maybe the high tide will come in and help out but i don't from the pictures that I saw, I don't think it's going to help. I, I actually saw one where they had uh, essentially a, uh, not a crane, with the 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 digger was right next to it, like this this enormous digger looked like a little Tonka truck <laughs> try, next to this thing, and it was just one bucket
1: yeah, try, trying to dig it try, out, like, like a, yeah, like you're trying to dig snow out from your right. tire when it's stuck. But could you could you imagine being the operator of that thing <laughs> and just saying?
0: I can't believe they have me out here doing this. There's no way I'm digging this thing out. Right, yeah, like you want me to do what with what? Yeah. Um, you me, yeah, you want me to take my little digger and you want me to dig that out?
1: <laughs> uh, you get paid more than me. You, this is this is your plan. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So and so this ship it it's it's there and it's stuck. That it's not just run aground. Um, the actual stern. And I'm not sure how these ships are a lot of cruise ships will have what you call azipods. so rather than having your traditional prop and rudder set up it'll have the motors their diesel engines on board that power electric motors that are in these pods almost like you'd see on an inboard outboard or an outboard motor and they can spin them around that's how they steer the ship so this ship this stern which is actually where the which is where the the uh the the props are is like dug into the side Of the canal. So it's not just sitting on the bottom, which is easy. I've run a couple of boats aground in my day, and eventually you can either unload it and float it back off, or you wait for the tide to come in and you float back off. But that was a 27 foot center console. This is a 400 meter long uh, uh, vessel. Um, Well, they said one of the
0: things that they're going to try and do is they're going to try to offload some of these containers. Yeah. But here's the problem though you're not near a port. Where you've got the cranes and the operators to do this.
1: Right. What, what are you going to helicopter I, these things off? Yeah, and who knows what's in them. So I imagine they load the heaviest containers towards the top, um, which would, because if you put the, if you did the opposite, the ship would be unstable. So I imagine they put the heaviest ones. So maybe the, or the, the heaviest ones are on the bottom. So the lightest ones you could, you could pick up and fly them off. But wouldn't that's be, a big helicopter. Wouldn't that be the equivalent of lift, lifting a feather? Yeah, off of a sunken yeah. ship. Yeah, you're getting. Yeah, exactly. Because you're taking. Say you have a. Say you have. The, so these Connex trailers, the, inter, the these intermodal containers, they're used on trains, and they can put them on semi trailers. So it's essentially a fifty three foot long steel box that's filled with God knows what. So, if it's filled with say ammunition, um, that's going to be very heavy. If it's filled with teddy bears, it'll be very light. And I'm sure the ones at the top are probably filled with teddy bears as opposed to lead. So they're yeah. going to end up being removed, if you can remove it. But the if you drive to any any port that has the big gantry cranes that pick these things up off of these ships, they're enormous. And it's a, you know, but then what do you do with them? You're in the middle of the desert. Like, you well, just lay them there and say, oh, we'll come back and get them? Yeah, yeah. they'll be there. Well, judging, judging by the pictures... <laughs> this ship is near
0: nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it yeah. doesn't look like there's a town nearby. No. So could could you imagine though if you were just an opportunist? Yeah. Yeah. Kn- knowing that some of these containers are going to get lifted off, oh, just hang out and and maybe one of them pops open. Yeah. yeah. Someone's going to make a lot of money off of oh, this. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be people running around in Egypt with with, you know, designer jeans and sunglasses and ipads and range rovers yeah (laughs) god knows what else is coming on these things so yeah but you know which which is what about all this stuff that's on here like not only are we there's the stuff that's on the ship of course but now you're looking at the goods that need to transit through this area well it's going to create a shortage of it too i mean think about the even if you're talking about the destinations
0: right because it's not going to get to europe and then on top of that, you've got all the ships that are docked in in the beginning of the canal, and all of them that are docked on the other end of the canal. Yeah, that can't get through. Yep. So you've got natural gas, you've got oil, you've got other fuels, you've got other cargo ships. Yep. That can't get through. Now some of them can they get rerouted? Sure. Yeah. But some of them they're already in.
1: Yeah. They're waiting
0: and they can't go. Like yeah. So I guess there's different stage points. Yeah. So some of them, at least from the 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 picture I saw. They, there's, I would say about thirty ships sitting on the southern portion of this canal, another thirty up at the top, and then you've got a spattering of like fifteen more ships. Yeah, all within the canal. Yep. They can't. You can't just turn around. No, and and and, 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 and even if you're on either end, what what are you gonna? Pop it in reverse. Yeah, get another Yo. ship stuck. What are you gonna, you gonna? say I'm coming around? I'm coming around. No, no, you gotta move. I'm come. I'm gonna come around. Not, not you. Me, me. I'm coming around. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna. I'm going around. I'm going to what? South Africa. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna make a UE. Yeah. I'm gonna hook it. I'm gonna yeah. hook it around the, the 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 horn. The horn of Africa, and I'll come back up.
1: Yeah. It might take me another four weeks, but I'm doing this. I'm yeah. not. I'm not waiting here. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure some will. Um, but then you have the thing about in, in the ports where this stuff gets loaded. If you know that that ship has to go through that canal, are you going to load that ship? If you're the shipping company, um, say you're Maersk and you have a ship that's getting ready to get loaded full of teddy bears in Malaysia and whatever else is coming out of there, because this is also, you know, these ships are coming from Asia. Southeast Asia, which is, you know, if you think, you know, China, Vietnam, Malaysia, there are a lot of things are made there that end up in, in the West and Europe. What then happens once it goes, you know, once it gets up there, it's going to be like, why would you bother to load it? Well, I'm sure at this
0: point, I mean, if they know it's going to be shut down for six weeks, you might see more air freight yeah, out of China. Yeah. Uh, as someone who's ordered stuff from China. You can you can get something here, DHL freight, within like two weeks, right? I'm sure they could ramp up, ramp it up a little bit for yeah. DHL to start shipping across the world, yeah. but others might. I, I guess they could come through the Panama Canal,
1: and if go across get, the
0: Atlantic. I mean, yeah. if, if Europe is the destination, I, I mean, and the other part is, I mean, I don't know my geography that well either, but I mean, China being in Asia, maybe ground transportation yeah maybe through russia mm-hmm. but that would you create a whole nother sort sort of problems there yeah if people don't want to play nice yeah or if people get a little opportunistic they're going to jack up the prices but even or the ships if they want to go around the corner of africa it's more fuel. Yeah, you're That's gonna a pay lot more. more fuel. So, yeah. so your Ford Escape just went from you know twenty seven thousand to thirty five. Yeah. Be- or it probably wouldn't be that extreme, but you know, if you're adding another three grand to it. Yeah. Everything's gonna cost more. I yeah. Mean, so I'll, I'll be interested to see how this affects other things, like in the country now in the U.S. Um. Car prices have gone up, mm-hmm. mostly because. New car prices have gone up because manufacturers can't get the chips from China to put in these cars. Everything's run on a computer. Yep. And so they can't get the chips to put in the computers, so they can't make they can't make these cars. I, I think they said that there was a a car plant in Ohio. I think it was GM had to shut down for three weeks because they don't have supplies to make it. And then on top of that, they were saying there's a lack of foam that goes in these cars for the insulation. Yeah. So now you don't have foam. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have chips. Yep. You're shutting down plants. So the the car prices, new car prices in America going up, that's going to, in turn, if people can't even get new cars, let's say you can't get new trucks. Yep. Used truck market is going to go through the roof.
1: Oh, the used truck market is through the roof anyway. Well, and that's because the, the, the new trucks are so expensive that people buy the used trucks, but that that puts the, the value of, of the used vehicle even higher. So I was getting my car, my wife's vehicle, uh, <clears throat> serviced at the dealer, uh, Toyota dealer. So I, I'm i perusing a lot, just walking around, and there was a used Tundra. It had like 118,000 miles on it. It was maybe um, you know, eight, nine years old. And let's, they s- Let's play a game. Let's play yeah. a game real quick. I'm going to try and guess the price of this. Go thing. ahead. Go for it.
0: I'm gonna say it was fifteen thousand dollars.
1: It was seventeen, close. Jeez. Yeah, seventeen. Yep. For
0: over a hundred thousand yep. miles.
1: Yep. What, what year was it? That was. Let's see. This was. This was a uh, couple years, couple months ago. So I'm gonna. I want to say it was still this current generation of Tundra. So it wasn't the old version. So I'm gonna say it was probably a. 15 or 16 so That's even not too yeah. bad though yeah. I, I, th- I thought it was going to be like an 06 07. Yeah. <laughs> Because
0: 07 To be honest with you At this point I wouldn't be surprised yeah. a, a truck with around a 100,000 like, Once you get to 150 the prices will start to drop yeah. At 100 120,000 miles especially if
1: it's in good condition
0: yeah and this you're gonna pay
1: for the body was beautiful it was a nice it was a nice truck and i actually of course the salesman came out and said no you're interested in it and i said yeah i mean i'm interested in as far as until my wife's van comes out of the comes out (laughs) of service but so i talked to him and i said uh can you move on he goes he's like no i said didn't think so and that's the thing they're commanding these prices i just sold a vehicle uh i sold it to a buddy but I I probably could have sold it for more had I wanted to go through the the whole having people come to my house from you know on on Craigslist or Auto Trader or one of them and you know wanted to deal with that but he needed a vehicle I was getting rid of one so it worked out but another friend sold a an old Honda Ridgeline it had some rust issues and and it the, the ad was was posted for fifteen minutes a dude came and bought it so well and it's kind of like last year
0: when I, when I had my car and I, I kind of came into a third car. So I, I had a, an extra car cause we only have the two drivers in the house. And I was like, you yeah, know, I tried to sell my, my personal car probably about four months before this happened. And I got a really low offer on it. I mean, I, I think I, I owed about 14 on it. I ended up, I got quotes in like the 12, the 11, five range. Nothing near what I owed. And I was like, okay, you know, party's over. I'm not going to sell it. I'll just keep it and drive it. And then right as the pandemic hit, right as the March-April time period, all of a sudden the the supply of cars went down. Mm -hmm. And so, oddly enough, I listened to a podcast and, and, (laughs) and they said, look, check. If you're looking to sell a car, check Carvana, check Vroom. Which is very similar to Carvana, and that they only sell online. Mm-hmm. They'll ship anywhere. So I went on Carvana, and they offered me fourteen. Mm-hmm. Now that's already two grand more than I got offered three months before. Yeah, and then I went on Vroom. Vroom offered me fourteen six, which was more than I owed on this car. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I got a third car. I'm not paying any money on that, and I can drop a car payment. Yeah. It was. The easiest transaction I've ever had to do, mm-hmm. I didn't have to go into a dealership. I didn't get pressured to buy a vehicle. All I did, I went online. I submitted all the information on my car, the VIN number, collar. this. I sent a couple of pictures in. They sent someone out to verify it. I said, okay. And the offer that they made me within the first five minutes of me going on the website was exactly what they gave me. Wow. And I didn't have to do I didn't have to deal with any of them. Yeah. And they came. They picked up the car on a tow truck and took it away, paid off my loan, gave me the remainder, mm-hmm. and it was done.
1: Nice. Yeah. Didn't,
0: I didn't have to go to a dealership because the dealership, I think, is probably one of the top three places people hate to go.
1: Yeah, probably dealership, post office, MVA, um, or DMV, depending on where you live, they're sure. going to what they're going to say. I kind of like going to the dealership to buy a car because it reminds me when I was a little kid. You know you're excited and you get to see all the cars and well, and they fawn over you. Oh yeah, they oh, treat yeah. you like
0: gold. You want welcome, a coffee? Welcome, welcome. You're, you're the best person on earth. <laughs> but oh, you like this one? We can give you this one. We can oh, make this work for yeah. you. Would you like some coffee? Would you like some tea? You're the best person on yeah, earth. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. We'll get. Oh, I'll I'll get you in that car. Yeah, you will get me in that car. Eight hundred dollars a month, you will get me in that car. Right. Yeah, of course. But the the so I actually hit up Vroom for that for the vehicle that I just had to get rid of and. I'm filling out the thing. They had the questionnaire. Like, is it running? I was like, mm, no. <laughs> uh, is it <laughs> like, is there anything wrong? There's nothing wrong with it. And the only reason it wasn't running is it needed a battery. I should have checked yes to see how it changed. But I go through it, and uh, this was a uh, this was. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a nice little car. It wasn't that old. It had low low miles on it for its age. And they offered me seven hundred bucks. It's like, "Yeah, screw you! Right. <laughs> Get seven hundred bucks. Yeah. Your lost room. A <laughs> uh, junkyard will probably give you a little more than that for the scrap metal. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they give you like I think it's like fifty cents a pound or something like that. So
0: <laughs> yeah, anyone who ever if you ever have a car and someone offers you less than a thousand dollars for a running car, yeah, or even for a non running car for that matter, yeah, they're you're at the wrong place. Yeah because yes. even for a $1000 some even if you're the transmission is blown mm-hmm. and i and i've done this i i had a it was a 2004 Acura notorious those cars are notorious for blowing transmissions even with me buying a used transmission and putting it in that car i was still able then to take the running and driving version mm-hmm. and sell it for more than i had into it i yes. wasn't a lot more yeah. But for anyone to say, oh, your car is only worth $700. Yeah. I mean, at that time, I think the car that car was probably about 12 to 13 years old, mm-hmm. had 120,000 miles on it. It was in decent shape. Yeah. But it's still sold for about $4,300. Yeah. So if someone ever comes to you, if you have a broken down car mm-hmm. and you don't want to put money into it, it $1,000, that's the bare minimum you should yeah. get.
1: In my opinion. Yeah. I So it's funny because when I was in the market for $1,000 cars, uh, when I was in college, I'd spend, you know, I had a friend in college, he would never spend more than $500 on a car. And he's like, hey, if it runs for six months, you know, that's, I'm doing pretty good. Right. You know, six months at, at 500 bucks, or less than $100 a month, you're not gonna find a car payment for that. If it dies, I junk it, I get another one. And he kept one year. He had four different cars because they would just die. He'd junk it, get another one, and you know it, it was funny. But uh, another friend of mine, this uh, this idiot, he um, he goes and he had a uh, it was it was a Chevy a Chevy Beretta. Nice. So I remember now, those. Yeah. Now this is back in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, and he decides that he wants to buy a Camaro. So, and you know, we're talking like a uh like a fourth gen uh Camaro. So he decides to go buy this Camaro and he takes it in, he takes the beretta to the dealer. And um he thought this car the world of this vehicle and he goes to the dealer the dealer and he says, uh, yeah, I'll you know, I'm I'm thinking two grand on the trade. And the sal- the salesman says, I'll give you five hundred bucks and the tank better be full. Right. So like Dealerships are a
0: lot different though, because they have they have to hit on almost every car. Yeah, because if you got twenty five cars, and let's say you lose two grand on one of them, Mm -hmm. you're screwed.
1: Your whole month up. Yeah, yeah, you got to make it up. And I think a lot of car buyers don't quite. um, They think they, you know, I want to know what the dealer paid for it. You're not going to pay what the dealer paid for that car, right? Because then there's no point in selling cars. So So, actually, there's an interesting story about that though. Because the,
0: the the biggest car dealership in America right now is Auto Nation. Okay, all right. Auto Nation years ago, they went and bought up a whole bunch of dealerships, mm-hmm. and lately, over the last couple of years, they figured out a formula where they'll almost sell the car at the their invoice price, mm-hmm. almost what they're buying them for. Mm-hmm. But what they're gonna where they're gonna make their money is in the finance. Shop. Yeah. They're yep. going to make their money on selling you gap insurance. Yep. They're going to make their money selling.
1: Extra warranties. Th- the extra warranty, yep. extended
0: warranties. And then also they're going to make money on your loan. Yeah. So for example, let's say I'm in the finance office and you say, I don't have a loan. What do, what do you got for me? Mm-hmm. They have five to seven banks, and some of them have more, some have upwards to 20. Yeah. But they have these portals where they only have to enter your information once. Mm-hmm. And within minutes, they're getting responses back from these banks as to whether you're going to qualify for one. Yeah. And then two, they always see the lowest interest rate they can get. Mm-hmm. They can see it. They don't show you that on the screen. Yeah. So what they do is, let's say the bank comes back to them and says they're approved. Hundred percent financing, two and a half percent. Mm-hmm. The person in the F and A office isn't going to tell you two and a half percent. What do I tell you? Three. They're going to say you need a thousand dollars down. Uh huh. At three and th- three point seven five. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be oh that sounds so high. I went you know, I was online and I went on Lending Tree. Yeah. And they said current rates are two and a half. Yeah. And they're going to look all perplexed at you. Mm-hmm. they're gonna look at you oh you know let let me look I, I try to get you the best deal i can but let me let me try one more time let me let me see what I can do right and they're probably clicking away mm-hmm. right but they're not clicking on anything yeah they already know what the rate is yeah so they come back and they say okay we can do three hundred dollars down well c- just to cover the the first payment three hundred dollars down yeah at three percent Mm-hmm. I was able to cut it down three quarters of a percent. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, you know, look, I, I could go on Lending Tree, but I'm already here. Yeah. I'm already here. I could drive off. I want to drive off with this car now. I, right. At this point, you were you in You are, in your mind, you bought this car. Oh, yeah. If you make it that far, you you already want it. Yeah. And, if, even, and then even better, you are approved. Yeah. There is nothing stopping you from taking this car home. Right. Except for you. Yeah. Right. You're no... Is what makes you not have a new car today. Yeah. And you say, yes. You know what? It's only half a percent more than the going rate that I saw on Lending Tree or my bank or my Mm -hmm. credit union. Or or I can
1: can always go refinance it later. I can refinance it later.
0: Meanwhile, for that half a percent, the bank probably cut a check back to the dealership Mm -hmm. for probably 700 bucks. Yeah. So they make 700 bucks on the loan. Mm -hmm. They're probably making another. 1000 on the insurance of the extended yeah. warranty or whatever else. Yeah. So normally where they would just mark the car up 2000 and say that's the price, these guys are saying you can have the car at cost. That's okay. I know you went online, I know you did your research. But in the background, even without you knowing, they made money anyway. They yeah. still made their $1700, $2000 profit
1: on you. Yep. And you were happy to do it. Yeah. And they they want, you know, you want that car. They, you and I, I mean I'm I'm guilty because I go in and most of the time when I buy a car it's because the current car that I have is dead on the side of the road or at some mechanic shop I drive cars into the ground so well right out of college when I got my first real job no I would go and I I'm tired of this car now I want another that, one I'm like and- that I'm still like
0: that today <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm in my mid 40s or my <laughs> early 40s I still do that like you know what.
1: I drove this car for eight months. Yeah, It's time to go. Yeah, I when, got it. When, when I was bored. 25, I was stupid. I was like, oh, we'll pay your old loan off. Oh, they're paying my old loan. No, they're just refinancing that into your current loan. And now, you know, seven times later, now you're paying for seven different cars on this thing. I'll say, I, when, I, when I graduated college, and this is back in the early 2000s,
0: I still think that I graduated in the perfect time to go get a new car. Mm-hmm. Because that's when leasing was kind of in its heyday, mm-hmm. and you could get. And I remember the first car I leased. It was a two thousand and one Nissan Pathfinder SC. Had it was the only SUV out there you could get with a stick shift besides yep. a, beside a Forerunner. Yeah, but if anyone who drove a Forerunner back then knew it was, it went to zero to sixty in about a year and a half.
1: Yeah, the speedometer was a calendar.
0: Yeah, so. Back then, Nissan had that that three point five liter VQ engine, mm-hmm. and made it to that that five speed transmission. This thing for an SUV would get up and go. Yeah, it wasn't a race car. Yeah, but it gave you it it, it gave you a nice car
1: mm-hmm.
0: that with a little bit of oomph to it. Yeah. Um, by the way, they used the same setup in the Maxima with the with the SE. Mm-hmm. You could get that five speed. Yeah, in. that was a nice little setup. But anyway, you could go in. Two hundred dollars down, I think I got that car for two fifty a month. Oh wow, <laughs> two fifty a month! I couldn't believe it. I was like two fifty a month. This yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> and of course, being the moron that I was, when the lease was up, I turned it in. Mm-hmm. Got nothing for it. Yeah. Turned around, and I leased a. I think it was like a two thousand five Altima <laughs> with the three point the three point five liter engine again. Mm-hmm. I love that engine.
1: Yeah. But I,
0: I was like, I want something new. I want something fun. So I got the 3.5 liter engine and an Altima, and that thing zipped around. And then, of course, I turned that into a Murano. <laughs> I, the, the people at the Nissan dealership are like, this is
1: easy money. Oh, they saw this guy coming. They, they saw you coming. They are like, hmm, I'm going to eat tonight. That's right. And so I, I think that yeah. nowadays,
0: though, to lease cars, even to lease a nice car, you're not going to get in at two hundred, three hundred dollars a month unless you put a hefty amount down, or they're running some special kind of deal. Yeah. On a car nobody wants.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be dealer stock on like either, either ridiculous base model or a stupid package or, you know, it'll be it'll be uh, you know that awful pinkish brownish color and you know, if it's a suv it'll be two-wheel drive like the, like why did you even make this car which is neat because they send those cars to dealers that they don't like like they will send them to if the dealer falls out of favor with the the manufacturer they will get this garbage and like they're stuck with it and a lot of these cars are done um they have to make payments on their inventory and they're, <laughs> they're stuck with this this turd that they just cannot get rid of. So like they almost pay you to take it from them. Like, just get this thing out of here. So, um, yeah, they, uh, you'll, you'll have some awful piece of garbage like that. But so, r- but right now though, you, so uh, it,
0: it kind of getting back to that cargo ship Yep. right now, even though that one was heading for to Europe, but right now with the, with the chip shortages, and the foam shortages in some of these new car manufacturers shut down for a couple of weeks because they don't have supplies to make cars. Yeah. Even the worst cars you can imagine, they're going to go for crazy prices right yeah. now. And dealerships, especially, and this is especially with the cars that people want, tr- trucks in particular. Cause yeah. As, as much as a lot of people can get it, trucks are the number one seller in this country. Yeah. The Ford F-150 is the best-selling model in this entire country. Yep. And if you want a Ford F-150, you're going to pay MSRP right now. Oh, yeah. Because shortages are happening all over the place. Yep. And now you've, you've got cars that were, were supposed to go to Europe that can't get through right now. Mm-hmm. And who knows when they're going to be able to get some supply there. So if you're in Europe, you're probably in worse shape. If you're going to buy a car probably in Europe, I would say try and buy one now before they even realize that they're not going to have cars for a little while. Yeah. Especially if they can't get anything there for six weeks. So if you're in Europe and prices are reasonable, buy it now. Yeah. If you're in the U.S., though, you you might have a hard time going through the summer. You might
1: want to hold on to what you got or kind of stretch it out a little bit. Yeah, I'm wondering what, uh, so like Ford, I know, is uh, the F-150 is up for this, I think, 22 is a fresh, like a clean sheet redesign on the. Or a significant um, redesign on that that truck for... So the 21, this is the last year for it. And a lot of times you wait... Like, I'd always wait to get that... If I was to buy a new car, which I rarely do, but if I were to buy one, I'd buy it at the end of a model year because or end of a cycle. Right. Because you usually get it for a song. Right. You know, there will be huge... Like, when Dodge recently... Especially when, uh, when they dropped the Dodge moniker from the Ram and it became... Now Ram's, like, its own brand... Um, and they, they, I think that was, uh, was that 18? I believe it was 18, 18 or 19. When they did that, there were, you know, the, the 17 Rams that you could get for, I mean, they were taking, they were taking stupid amounts of money off of them. And I just wonder if, if that's going to happen or if there's just going to be a shortage of inventory where, nope, we're going to keep that price super high on the, even the 21s. Nope. You're going to pay, pay out the nose for the 21 as well. I think, I think new trucks are going to have a rough time. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I think used cars, you, you still might have some wiggle room depending on when the dealer bought it wholesale. Yeah. Um, but I guess the moral of the story of this uh, of this one here is that if you need a car, just keep your eye on things. See if you can get some negotiation in there. Yeah. But for now, this is all we have for this episode. And thank you for listening. Hopefully, you come back for episode two. And, and thereafter, uh, our website is uh, dumbideapodcast.com. Uh, we'll have more info up there as we kind of grow this channel a little bit and hopefully we'll we'll see you soon.
1: Thanks.